Um, as you know, we're doing a series on Psalms, um, which has been a lot of fun. Um, again, since so many of the Psalms have been converted to music, um, it's, it's you know, like so you'll be singing and you go, oh, I know what Psalm that is. Um, and so we're going to look at Psalm 17 today. Um, and just for context, Psalm 17, um, other than being right after 15 and 16, they're actually a group of songs that are related. They cover a lot of the same concepts, and, and you'll see that um, if you crawl back in April, we, um, I did the message on Psalm 16, and you'll see some of those tie-ins today. Uh, remember that it's, Psalm 17 was written during the time um, David was having a tough time, right? Uh, Saul was trying to kill him. Um, which is always oh, not good. And um, so he's racing through the wilderness trying to um, avoid getting killed. Um, and the um, psalm um, that we're going to look at today was written around the events, if you think of 1 Samuel chapters 24 through 26. Um, and we'll talk about some of that here in a little bit. Um, but again, the context is important as we look at the words. So this message... His loving kindness endures forever. And that word loving kindness um, is um, interesting. The, um, it looks like his spell checker did the same thing I did in separating those into two words. Um, but actually, if you look at the original language, and actually, Randall like this, the, the King James is the, first, is the only one that really gets it correct um, as far as putting loving kindness as a single word to reference that. Because it's it's a concept that's really difficult to put your head around. Um, and you'll see that in the other versions that we'll look at, they, they try to use a word, but it doesn't really get it. it it's missing something. Loving kindness is, is it's that whole flowing thing, how you can be kind and loving across everything. Um, it's just a nature of God that, that is very hard to understand. Um, all right, so let's get started. Um, Psalm 17, verses 1 through 5 says, Hear me, Lord, my plea is just. Listen to my cry. Hear my prayer. It does not rise from deceitful lips. Let my vindication come from you. May your eyes see what is right. Though you probe my heart, though you examine me at night and test me, you'll find that I have planned no evil. My mouth has not transgressed. Though people tried to bribe me, I've kept myself from the ways of violence through what your lips have commanded. My steps have held your paths. My feet has not stumbled. Now, when we hear that and we're thinking, David, I mean, that sounds kind of arrogant. I mean, my feet have never stumbled. I've never, you know, I've done all these, um, you know, I, my, I do what's right. Probe my heart. You'll find that, you know, I did everything correct. Well, again, Think of the, the context here specifically is David referencing his relationship with Saul, right? So Saul's running around trying to kill him, um, but he didn't, David didn't do anything wrong. David didn't do anything to encourage Saul trying to kill him. Um, it wasn't David's idea that he became king. That was told by the prophets. And so Saul's running around trying to kill him, and David's like, hey, I haven't done anything to deserve this. Um, you know, I just can't understand why this keeps going on. Um, you know, and the thing it starts out interesting is that it starts out with this plea. Hear me, Lord, my plea is just. Listen to my cry. Hear my prayer. It does not rise from deceitful lips. Now, again, we've gone through a lot of these psalms, and we see this, this real pattern within the psalms, right? It starts off with this desperation, 
you know, I plead with you, God, hear me, you know. There's this desperation, as we'll see as we go through the psalm here, but it's always followed by recognizing who God is and then singing praises for that. So, yeah, my times are really difficult, but I know who God is and he's there. That pattern that we see um, going through that. You know, and, and David is telling passionately to God how he feels. This is, I need your help. Um, the, you know, there's times in our lives that, that, that we literally have no clue what to do next. We know that we're not getting it right and we need help and we are desperate. You know, I can certainly think of times, especially health issues, where I was like, God, you got to fix this because you're the only one. Um, nobody else is going to fix this. Um, and, and there's that level of desperation. Um, all right, so in verse 2, David recognizes again that he is not the one that can fix the problem. Let my vindication come from you. May your eyes see what is right. So again, David has had multiple opportunities to kill Saul and hasn't because he recognizes that God is the one that has to fix Saul. And he wants him to fix it through his heart. Not like a stake through his heart, but I mean like through his heart, so he stops acting the way he's doing it, right? Um, so re recall that there's that, in, in the scenario that we have here out in, in 1 Samuel 24, um, David is hiding with his men in a cave trying to get away from Saul. And it happens to be Saul picks that cave to use as a restroom. So he goes in to relieve himself in this cave, and David is right there. David has every opportunity to kill Saul. And his men are telling him, hey, God has delivered him to you. Take him out. And David says, I can't do that. So what he does is he cuts a corner off of his robe while he's doing his thing. And then, of course, he leaves the cave. Um, and then David comes out after Saul has left the cave, and he says in 1 Samuel 24, verses 8 through 10, Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, My lord the king. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on the Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. So again, David could have killed Saul in the cave and didn't because he understood that God needed to do it. God was the one who needed to make the change. Um, and, and so often I find myself trying to solve my own problems on my own um, and realizing that I'm powerless over the behavior of others. I can't make anyone else do anything they don't want to do. Um, and if I try to force them, it usually gets worse, not better. Um, you know, to point out someone else's problems rarely works very well. Uh, I have very few people that are receptive to that. On the other hand, you can pray for them and pray that God will open their eyes and the things that he, and, and your own eyes as well. I find half the time, uh, I think the other person can't see because my eyes are shut. Um, so the, um, now verses three through five takes, God is, um, asks God to search David to see if he is speaking the truth, right? Though you probe my heart, though you examine me at night, though you test me and you find I have planned no evil, my mouth has not transgressed. Though people tried to bribe me, I've kept myself from the ways of the violent, from your lips have commanded. My steps have held to your path, my feet has not stumbled. 
So, again, David um, kept the ways of God and hasn't stumbled along the way. He comes to his behavior with Saul. He has done the right thing. Um, and David knows that God has nothing to hold against David that David dealt with Saul. Um, now, I wish the same could be said for interactions in my life. Um, there's certainly times when um, I have not tried to fix issues with people in the best way. Uh, and I, um, I just wanted to do it my way, right? And I, at the time, I, I, I've been sarcastic, belittling, uh, accusatory, etc., cetera, um, just to try to get my way with something. And that's not what Christians do. Um, that's not how we are supposed to behave. That's not how we are supposed to treat each other. Um, you know, we think of the, the, there's a saying, you know, let go and let God, right? It's really easy to say that. It's really hard to do it. Um, it's like, I know exactly what you need. Yeah, <laughs> that's not what let go and let God means, right? Uh, there's a great word called detachment, saying, hey, I'm going to let you work this out. I'll pray for you. I'll let you and God work this out. Uh, I'm not going to wrap myself around this whole problem. Um, and that's how Jesus behaves, right? We think of the lady caught in adultery, right? If anyone had the right to pick up a rock, it would have been Jesus, but that's not what he did, right? He didn't pretend like she hadn't sinned. On the other hand, he showed loving kindness to her. Um, all right, verse 6, I call on you, my God, for you will answer me. Turn your ear to me and hear my prayer. So David has established that he has done what God has commanded him to do while dealing with Saul. And so now David wants to ask God for help, knowing that he could be counted on. And one of the things we see regularly in the Psalms is that David knows God is there and that God's got this. Um, and that's really that, that having that peace in your life of knowing that no matter what happens, God's got this is a milestone in the Christian walk. Um, to know no matter what, he's got this. Um, you know, it's interesting, we talk about medical procedures, and I've had a few, and the, um, those are some of the most relaxed things I go through because I am completely not in charge. Uh, you know, like you go under and you come back, maybe, maybe not, you know, but I'm completely not in charge. Um, and so for me, it's really easy. For Donna, probably not so much, but. For me, it's pretty straightforward because I know God's got this. It's going to happen. One way or the other, it's going to happen. Um, and that's just a wonderful way to, to, um, to be there. Um, all right, so again, David is asking for help, uh, and he knows he can be counted on, right? I call on you, my God, for you will answer me. Turn your ear to me and hear my prayer. Of course, God doesn't have ears. Um, he doesn't have to turn them to hear you. Um, and the, uh, you know, God can hear a billion Christians speaking at once, and he can hear every one of us clearly and distinctly. It reminds me of a movie. It's um, kind of a funny movie called Bruce Almighty. Um, and if you remember, there's a part in the movie where um, God is talking to Jim Carrey and uh, is Bruce, you know, playing God for a while. And uh, he's, uh, Jim Carrey is in front of the computer getting all these requests from all the people. And finally he just goes, yes, and just gives everybody what they want. 
And so all these people that were playing the lottery each get two bucks. Um, <laughs> and so there's, you know, so, and, and you know, so God's talking um, to, uh, to, you know, to Bruce, and he says, you know, why did you do that? He goes, oh, there were so many. I just gave them all what they wanted. And God comes back and says, yeah, but since when does anyone know what they want? You know, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, it's a fun movie. The, um, but that's just the way it happens a lot of times. How do we really know what we want from God's perspective, right? Too often we know what we want from our own perspective, right? Do we ask ourselves, is this really what God wants in our lives? Um, you know, he hears this and gives us what we need, not what we want. Um, and sometimes that's really nice. Sometimes we get exactly what we think we wanted. Other times God comes down and destroys this lovely garden that we made of man-made perceptions and ideas of what would be good for us. You know, we say, hey, God, here's what I've put together. What do you think? And he goes, I think it's garbage, and just blows it away. And you're like, you know. <laughs> I always get the, the um, you know, God will honor your prayers, and they leave out the part if it is in his will. And that's a key piece of that deal. Um, you got to be in God's will. Um, and sometimes we don't like what that means. Um, all right, so David knows from past experiences that God uh, will answer him, and he, he isn't wondering if God is going to act. He's confident of it, uh, because God always has acted previously. Verse 7, show me the wonders of your great love, you who save by your right hand those who take refuge in you from their foes. So God's love is an amazing, inexplicable, wonderful thing. Um, this verse, um, the wonders of your great love, is translated again differently in different versions of scripture, uh, of translations. So the NASB, for instance, says, show your wonderful faithfulness. Well, that's true too. The New King James, like I said, translates it, show your marvelous loving kindness, in one word. Um, and I personally like that, the way that's presented. Um, because again, while these transla let's see, the translations are all different, they're, in, they're trying to explain something that's inexplicable to us. It's really hard for us to grasp the nature of God's loving kindness, right? I mean, it's just so, such a vast thing. Um, David expresses that in Psalm 8, verses 3 to 6. It says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You have put everything under their feet. God the creator loves us without limit, loves us without condition. And that's hard to fathom when you think of everything that God does, all the stuff that he works on, and yet he knows us all individually. He created us in the womb with our mother individually with plans and purposes for each individually. That to me is just, that is mind boggling. It is just farther than my mind can reach um, that God would do that um, and that the way he works. So what I wanna look at um, and sort of the whole point of this um, is I wanna look at some of the characteristics of God's loving kindness. Um, and then we're gonna look at why that's important. So the first thing I wanna look at is God's loving kindness has existed since the beginning. 
right? Before, before, before the earth ever was expressed, God's loving kindness existed toward man. Um, again, before Adam and Eve existed, God had a plan of redemption for his people. And that's an amazing thing. He had it all figured out before he started. Not like most of the projects I work on. The, uh, <laughs> Ephesians 1, verses 4 and 5. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined on us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Isn't it amazing? God's pleasure and will that we should belong to him. That we give him joy. It's amazing. You know, God's mind is occupied with immense thoughts, trying to keep this whole universe doing its thing. Um, far greater than anything that we can perceive. Um, certainly greater than any one of us. And yet he's pleased to love every one of us. Individually. As us. Not as something else, but as us. Um, you know, it's interesting, uh, when I got to do uh, more work with youth many years ago, trying to express to young people that they're exactly what God meant them to be. You don't have to go, I, there was, I forget what it was, Glamour or something like that, it was some magazine, and it was talking about how to be beautiful, and I said, no, you are beautiful. You don't need to do anything to be beautiful. Um, you know, don't strive for the world's beauty, strive for God's beauty. He made you just as you're supposed to be. Um, and, and boy, if we can help the world understand that, um, that you are beautiful as you are. Um, you don't have to fix anything. All right, number two, God's loving kindness comes to the least likely people. So it's amazing who we see God coming to, right? He doesn't reach out to the loftiest people in the world, the highly educated, they stumble with it. No, he runs out to the lowly, the poor, the lost, uh, the broken, the obscure. Um, he comes to the fallen, to the heartbroken. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Brothers and sisters, think of where you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strength, the strong. It's interesting, too, because I work with a lot of engineers. And they always have a reason they don't believe something. Um, and it's interesting because they're all wrapped around stuff and they don't just open their minds to potentials, right? They exclude things by default. Um, and it's it's kind of interesting because for me, I'm just like, well, it's what it says. <laughs> I struggle with that whole idea. I said, no, God loves me. I accept that. Um, God is truth. I accept that. Um, and uh, I don't need a formula to figure it out. All right, God's loving kindness existed from the beginning and comes to the least likely people. God's loving kindness is self-sacrificing. Um, God gave us this world guided by the, his providence in it and full of its blessings. And God gave us a world that is yet to come um, that will be full of glories unimaginable. Um, the, um, there's a song that, that you know, it talks about, you know, where, what, what, what will I do when I get to heaven? You know, will I be singing in joy or I'll be a so awestruck, I'll be a flat on my face. 
you know, I, I, could, I don't know, it's going to be amazing. I think you'll know all the new people in heaven, though, by the big red spot on their forehead from going, oh, I get it. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's, uh, but it's going to be an amazing place. Um, but for us to be able to take possession of these things, God had to give his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die. First um, John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. For me, this is one of the parts of God's loving kindness that is absolutely, absolutely beyond understanding. It's terrible to lose a child. As many of you know, Donna and I lost our first child when he was eight months pregnant, and it was terrible. I mean, it was devastating. But we didn't know it was coming. It just happened. But God knew from the beginning of time that he would have to sacrifice his son on the cross in order for us to be redeemed and to be able to come back to him. He knew that, and that's what he did, knowing full well this is what's going to happen. That, to me, is amazing. That God, knowing all that was going to happen, did it anyway because he loved us. That, to me, is just, it, it's just amazing. <clears throat> God's loving kindness is constant and consistent. Now, it's one thing to love another person. Not at all amazing. I mean, many of us have someone we love or someone, you know, our kids, our family, our wives. Uh, but it's much more difficult to love someone even though that love is despised, transferred, mocked, ridiculed, or rejected. Now, that is love that you can still love after all that. God has every, has every right to transition from his often rejected love into vengeance or indignation, but he doesn't. He just continues loving. For 33 years, I rejected the pull he had on me. And, and I'll be honest with you, I knew he was there. I had absolute belief in his presence. I just didn't want to hang out with him. And then one day... That changed. And God waited all that time. He didn't go, okay, we're 32 and a half years into this, I'm done. I'm stopping trying. No, he just kept loving me until I came and loved him. That to me is just amazing. And no matter where I go, when I stumble, when I fall, he still loves me. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, he is completely unconditionally loving. Such is the loving kindness of God. Consistent, constant, never changing. Psalm 102, verses 25, 27 says, In the beginning you laid the foundation of the earth, and heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment, like clothing you will change, and they will be discarded. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. We'll ha never have to wonder if God is there. He will always be there. We never have to wonder if his loving kindness is going to change, if somehow he's going to start doing something different. He won't. He's consistent. He's permanent. His loving kindness is there forever. 
All right. So now the question is, we know this character of his loving kindness. Now what? Well, here's what I want you to leave today with, right? God's loving kindness is here for you to enjoy. So what do I mean by that? First, you should enjoy God's loving kindness intellectually. That is, you should understand it as something that is real in your life. That it actually exists as a something. Psalm 107 verse 43 says, Whoever is wise will observe these things, and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. So as we look upon the nature of the loving kindness and experience the expression in our lives as Christians, we acquire a deeper understanding um, of the depth and constancy of God's loving kindness. Right? It's a factual existence. You know, it's interesting, I hear people say, well, I don't believe in miracles. I'm like, oh, then you haven't had one yet, right? I mean, what's the easiest way to understand miracles? Have one. <laughs> Pray as you walk along with God in your lives that you'll see his love working in your life. And part of that means that you have to look for it. You know, it's interesting, there's a, um, I don't know if you've ever made a gratitude list where you just list all the things you're thankful for. And if you're like me, that list just keeps getting longer and longer and longer because you start, the more you look for the great things in your life, the more great things you'll find in your life. The more things you'll go, wow. You know, I had a friend who said he'd sit on his porch and watch hummingbirds. It's great to be retired. The, um, but, the <laughs> but he was, he was like, it's amazing. I just sit here and God breathes these beautiful little birds that, flitter about and says it's it's God's love he shows me this and these you know little birds that twitter about um, and if we're not careful we tend to get used to God's love we we kind of forget that it's there right he's there every day he's taking care of us he's watching over us we kind of just forget about it because he's always there and I really encourage you don't forget about it look at it thank you thank you Lord for it I've had time to Thank you, Lord, I got to work. Especially if you're on the construction on I-10. It's like people are crazy. It's like, thank you, Lord, I got to work. It didn't hit anybody. It's like, he's there. And realize that at times, God's going to show his love to you in ways that we may not exactly want. Uh, events might occur that we will find unpleasant. Um, but sometimes God has to push us backwards for us to make progress. Um, we kind of have to... Uh, work through stuff, and sometimes he'll, he'll deluge us with sorrows so that he can later immerse us in blessings. Um, again, I pray that God works his loving kindness in your life and that you can see it at work. Second, you should enjoy God's loving kindness in your heart and give thanks. I mean, that's what the book of Psalms is all about. I mean, giving thanks to God for the loving kindness that he works in his life. Right? So it's one thing to recognize that it exists, it's another thing to give thanks for it, to sing about it. Um, God has done so much for our, us that our hearts should be bursting uh, with appreciation and thankfulness. Again, as we've gone through the Psalms, we've seen that clear message that we should sing praises to the Lord. Right? Psalm 18, verse 49, Therefore I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing the praises of your name. God wants your heart. 
Right, the verse, you know, where your treasures are, there your heart will be. Well, is God in your heart so that he's your treasure? Um, do you treasure God's loving kindness in your life? Um, there's a, you probably know this is coming, there's a song by Andrew Ripp called For the Love of God. And I really like it. The, the uh, words here, um, I saw mercy, mercy seated where the judge should be, was guilty, guilty in getting out of jail free. How could it be I didn't get the life I deserved and the only thing that he wanted was my heart in return? Every time I think about, every time I thought was the end, I'm caught up in wonder again. Where would I be, where would I be if it wasn't for the love of God? The song of victory is now mine to sing, hallelujah for the love of God. He has set me free. Again, the love of God set us free. Um, and we should enjoy that fact, that God's loving kindness is steadfast and will never go away. And God can be trusted. Again, David knew that in verse 6. Right? I call on you, my God, and you will answer me and turn your ear to me and hear my prayer. David was confident that God would be there in the long run. Right? Verse 15, as for me, I will be vindicated and will see your face. When I awake, I will be satisfied in seeing your likeness. Recall back in uh, April, um, we looked at Psalm 16. You're like, I don't remember April. <laughs> Psalm 16, though, verses 9 to 11. Right? Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So we see there, and, and in verse um, 15 of, of uh, 17, is that David knows that he's going to die, right? And that he's going to lie down in his grave just like his father's did. But he also knows that God will raise a king through one of David's descendants. And that king will establish the kingdom of God that will last forever. This king will end all succession because he and his kingdom will reign forever. We will not need another king. David knew that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the king of kings, would come and overcome death. We know that God's loving kindness will endure forever. He showed his loving kindness to us through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. That his loving kindness is consistent and constant. And therefore, we should enjoy his loving kindness and sing praises to the Lord. Father, we are so grateful for your loving kindness that you would do so much that you've done for all of us, each of us individually that you hear our prayers, that you work in our lives, that you exert your providence for our benefit. I pray, Lord, that we would all open our hearts and our eyes and our ears to you in our life and that we bury you as treasure in our heart. Again, we just thank you for all that you do in your holy and precious name. Amen.